Welcome to the Unlocking Athletic Potential podcast with Ian and Johnny. Discussing our passions of sport, OCR, running, and fitness to help you perfect your craft. Welcome to the Unlocking Athletic Potential podcast. I'm Ian Deef. We're going to continue our Tokyo Olympic bite-sized episodes by looking at the unique dynamic which could eliminate favourites and change the destiny of where Olympic medals are won at these games. Now, usually injury or an athlete choking on the big stage or a false start may be the unfortunate reasons why a contender fails to follow through on their promise. But this year, the COVID factor could be that very reason. Who you hang out with and quite simply being at the wrong place at the wrong time could cause you to be quarantined by being a close contact, or even worse, I mean, you contract COVID, which could result in your games being over. And we've seen that happen so far. We've seen US tennis player Coco Gauff had to pull out of her debut games after testing positive before arriving in Tokyo. We've seen the same with other tennis players like Dan Evans, Joanna Conta from the UK. The UK's number one shooter, actually, Amber Hill, she withdrew for the very same reason. And then even if the athletes make it to the games, such as Finn Flosjen, Dutch rower. He was vaccinated, but then tested positive after his men's single skull race in rowing. He finished fourth in his heat, scheduled to row again on Saturday. Now he's out of the competition, isolating for 10 days. So it's playing a big part in these games. I guess as well, on top of that, you've got the psychological stress of being in such an environment where you know this is a factor. And the game's definitely just different for so many other reasons because of the protocols, no crowds. So Joining me on this conversation, the COVID factor, is a former Irish international gymnast who's competed on the big stage at both the European Championships and the Commonwealth Games, Nick Dunn. Nick, how are you doing? How are you doing, Ian? Uh, thanks for asking me on today, especially when we're in the, the midst of the, the Olympics right now. Yeah, it's, it's a good chance to watch some sports and get immersed in the activities that we, we don't normally follow. And I know we're talking just as Great Britain come off their second medal with, with Tom Daly finally winning gold. I haven't checked that out yet. That's on the, the iPlayer to come back to, but you witnessed that bit of an epic, epic one, that, right? Oh, my God. I mean, I think anybody who is involved in any sport whatsoever, you know, Tom Daly has been an inspiration for whatever sport that may be. And he's been top of his game for 13 years um, without winning that gold. So I think, you know, him hitting it on that synchro was just absolutely outstanding. I think I was more nervous than him. My hands were sweaty in that sixth dive. Um, but fantastic, fantastic performance. And I'm Irish. I'm not, you know, in terms of <laughs> not nationalistic, <laughs> but uh, just for Tom Daly, just such, such a great character. And if you listen to his recent high-performance podcast, just a, just a great guy. Uh, you have been in contact with some coaches and athletes at the games. What have they, they told you about this, this COVID factor? How are they feeling about competing in such a strange games? My uh, sport um, historically was gymnastics. And as you said, you know, I was lucky enough. And I think that word luck does come into play when you get to the world stage, you know, competed at two world student games, uh, Europeans, worlds, Commonwealth games, and so on. And during that time, I think, you know, the, the experience of those games just is just being a part of a multi-sport games where you're hanging out with boxers, with rowers, with track and field athletes and so on. It just really lifts you and you feel a part of a, part of a team environment. Um, I think these games, as you said in, in your intro, are, are kind of a really different feel for lots of the athletes. Um, uh, one of my old gymnasts who I coached is actually the coach of Reese McLennigan. And um, I've been in 
good contact with him over the last week because Reese McLennigan, he's a um, Irish gymnast, um, specifically a pommels worker, and he is qualified currently in first position for the finals, which is on Sunday. So he's been out there now for um, over two weeks. Um, during that period of time, he, when he first flew out, he was put in a hotel. He didn't go to the Athletes Village to begin with, due to COVID actually. So isolated in a hotel and was actually training um, way outside of Tokyo in a club environment, which was just very much based him and his coach um, isolating away and only came into the Athletes Village um, really late on, um, just a few days actually before the opening ceremony. Didn't go to the opening ceremony. I think there's a number of reasons for that. Um, and I'm sure all of us out there, all the listeners who watched the opening ceremony, it was a completely different field than, than, than other ones. There were very few athletes who went there because of the worry of COVID. That close contact with other athletes, with other countries, with delegation, with volunteers and so on. Um, so, but secondly, um, gymnastics is a day one of the Olympic Games. So he was competing at 9am on day one. So in terms of rec um, recovery, rest, and so on before games, he just kind of obviously didn't go out, you know, have a march on or um, have that feeling. But they did, it from their, they did it from their athletes' village and they were able to cheer on and so on. There's big screens up and so on. But I think in terms of COVID, going back to your question, I think there's just a lot of apprehension. You know, you, you talked about some athletes there who, didn't, who haven't been able to make it. Two alternates for the U.S. women's gymnastics team. The main alternate basically um, was tested positive two days after being in Tokyo. So she um, straight away isolated for two weeks. She was in close contact with the second alternate or reserve, as you would say. She's been um, in place in COVID and they're just being sent home. So, you know, I mean, as we know, like U.S. women's gymnastics is pretty much one of the number one sports in the world, you know, for women. To make that team, there's only basically four gymnasts get to compete. So those were two alternates. So that's the fifth and sixth gymnasts in the whole of the USA. They've trained, lots of people say, four years for an Olympic cycle. But to be honest with you, you train all your life to compete in the Olympics. And for them to come in, get COVID, and suddenly that's it game's over, you're flying back home again. It's just soul-destroying. And I think the U.S. team have been a quite an interesting setup where the female girls team, they've actually brought with them an entire second team who are sitting currently in a hotel. If anybody in the main team got COVID, everybody would be out. They've got a second team to come in who would also be able to perform. So I think it's a completely strange setup. And the effect of the COVID is, is it's, it's just all over, no spectators. But I think the athletes are trying their best. I think they're still performing to an absolute world-class level. They're still in, enjoying it, but it's a little bit different. I mean, even Adam Peaty this morning after winning the, the 100 breast, said the feeling in the stadium and the feeling up to the final was just different. Yeah, I'm surprised that the number of athletes, athletes who actually did go along and take part in the opening ceremony are very aware that there were protocols in place in terms of distancing, face masks, and the option was given for athletes to leave the arena as soon as they'd done their walk. However, many stayed. Many were taking off their masks during that time. It was really clear to see from the the broadcast pictures that came through. 
there seemed to be a bit of a relax on that social distancing once they were in the arena. Nobody was really there to, to control that. I just found that really surprising, given the fact, as you've said, it's not just four years of training. It may be a four-year cycle that the Olympic Games are on, but this is absolutely a lifetime of training. You know, we mentioned Tom Daly at the start there, 13 years competing at the highest possible level, finally gets that Olympic gold. I'm surprised any athletes at all took part in the opening ceremony. Do you think moving forward, some would now maybe think, okay, yep, that was tempting, but I'm keeping myself to myself now. I guess there'll be others that will be still tempting to, to try and pull in as much of that Olympic experience as well. Obviously, you've been to, to major games. How, how big a temptation is that to go out of your normal training regime, absorb the experience of a major games, as, as, as well as obviously trying to compete the best of your level? I think it's, it's, it was an interesting one. I mean, you're probably able to know a little bit more than me, specifically for the track and field athletes, because they are the last to compete generally at a Games. Um, they're usually, at the, obviously, the, late, the later parts of the second week. When, when I was looking and when I was watching the opening ceremony, it was hard to notice some real names who were walking out. Maybe you, you, you saw a few. A lot looked like as if there were some track and field um, who were the later ones. But a lot as well, I, I was thinking, could be, and I don't want to speak ill of this, but people who are just there to participate. They've got the wild card. They're, they're competing for their country. It's the first time. You know, they just want to feel and um, experience the whole event. And the opening ceremony is part of that. It's part of being, you know, in that multi-athlete games. The greatest show on earth, right? You know, the Olympics. And, that, and in some ways, that in itself, maybe um, the risk that some may are willing to take to give them that buzz just to kind of push them to that next level to, to compete. At the highest level, I'm not sure um, if you're a medal chance. I, I don't know if there was many medal chance people who actually would have gone out there to there, but maybe I'm wrong. I, you know, I didn't see everybody. Did so you from, see some? Yeah, I did. So from the Great Britain team, I saw our weightlifters and actually one of our former guests, Sarah Davis, will be going for she's got a, she's got a shot at getting an Olympic medal and and Zoe who won a, an Olympic medal in 20 yeah she won a, a medal at London 2012 um, Zoe Smith both of those were there so the weightlifting team were in full attendance there and certainly from the US there were team members of, of certain sports that were there uh, who are medal contenders as well but I agree with you that the majority of athletes I think that attended those were there absorbing the experience or had to miss subsequently their event, then so be it. But it was interesting just to see that numbers. I, I, I heard certainly leading into the games, they were very much thinking about pairs of athletes, literally the two flag bearers from each nation coming in, and that would be it. And obviously that changed as we approached the opening ceremony and more allowed in. So, yeah, definitely interesting. And I think it's difficult as well because it's not just you, is it? It's, it's, it's the people that are around you, right? You know, if... If, if you transfer the virus, you're transferring it with inside your, your, your team athletes village. So even if you go, so there, it would be, be really interesting, the discussions with the delegation, the heads of delegation with the athletes on the decision whether to go or whether not to go. I know there are many athletes in the village who during the, during the opening ceremony, they still got their opening ceremony um, outfits on. And they were, you know, in their, in their village and then they watched it on the big screen. So they could still have that flavor and that feel, yeah. um, but just not actually, actually go, go to the event. So it's, it's hard. It's super, super hard. And I feel, 
I really, really feel for Japan because I think they have put on an amazing facilities yep. for these games. They're absolutely outstanding. The, the stadium for the track and field, the gymnastics, the rowing, the triathlon just this morning, watching the, the mountain biking, the courses are being superb. And it's the first country. I don't, I don't know what the stats are on it, but it's the first country for a very, very, very long time who were actually had all of their facilities ready way and before the 2020 games were supposed to. As you'd um, expect from a, a nation like Japan who are super well organized. Catching a train, you'd be surprised if, it, if, if the train turns up a couple of seconds late in Japan, right? Let alone anything else. So, yeah, we know how structured and, and on point they are with that. I guess for our audience, you know, the takeaways for them is, you know, they're not going to be competing. Well, maybe they are. Maybe we have some Olympic listeners in the village. The majority of us who, who won't be able to be competing at an Olympic Games. I guess the big takeaways are we are probably still working towards competitions and some of us involved in, in Spartan and running events, we do take those events internationally and being very aware of who you sit next to on planes, trying to get vacant seats, being quite firm, I guess, with where you sit, who you sit with, choosing your airlines carefully. I guess these are key lessons that we can all take because even though we're not competing on such a higher level, we don't want to particularly turn up somewhere, make the effort to travel, train, etc. for an event now just to be sitting next to the wrong person on a flight or, or not taking these extra precautions. So hopefully, you know, in terms of unlocking our athletic potential, the COVID factor is now one of those things that we do really need to consider moving forward. And certainly for both of us working at an international store, when eventually we are allowed to travel again, I think these will be considerations we take because the worst case scenario is if we do have to be tested prior to events uh we don't want to be in a position where we, we put the training in we've turned up and we aren't able to compete because of the protocols surrounding covid which i feel will be with us for many years to come right mm, yeah i completely agree i think now the covid normal is going to be that thing that heightened awareness and, and being alert and just taking real care of our athletes and of ourselves if we're competing in terms of you know how we isolate, how we um, take care with our own safe, safe um, management measures, really. You know, and I think this idea of people being vaccinated and having booster vaccinations where it becomes um, an endemic, where we just have to be aware of it, you know. And I can see us having to wear face masks for a very, very long time, even just traveling on public transport, on flights and so on. Because I think people are just now a little bit more aware, more so in Asia, I think, than maybe um, in Europe and in the UK. I would be probably more comfortable for quite a period of time to wear face masks and so on, just, just to be sure. I mean, you're about just to have a child, you know, with, with my children as, as well um, in their sport. I'm sort of aware, you know, that they're at that age now where potentially they can take the vaccination, but I'm a little bit wary about it just right now because they're just 12, 13. But I can see that that's just going to be the way it is. We're going to have to have to bear with it and try to keep the motivation with our athletes, but actually being able to control it in a manner which um, we're going to have to be safe as well. Yeah, for sure. Nick, before you go, what's uh, apart from Reese's final, which is this weekend, and I know you'll be tuned into that, what's, what's the big event that you're looking forward to watching at these games? Well, I'm always, always a little bit biased with the gymnastics. I, I kind of I, I fluctuate because I really quite like lots of Olympic games for me every four years. Well, it's kind of been five years this time around, but it's just such 
a pinnacle of, of, of sport for me. And because for me, it was my aspiration. That was what I always dreamed of and was something that I, you know, aspired to and, and to be an Olympian. So right now, tonight, men's team final starts at 6 p.m. for the gymnastics. I'm going to be glued to the box on there. I, I, my predictions, it's going to be Japanese are going to take that gold. I think, you, uh, I think Russia's number two. I think China three. And it's going to be an absolute fight to the death between USA and Great Britain for the fourth place spot. Following that, you know, I want to see Tom Daly on the 10 meter individual. That's going yep. to be coming up in a couple of days time. I've got so into the skateboarding, which is a brand new event, obviously at the games. And I think it's a fantastic addition because it's bringing a little bit of a younger population and a younger trendier sport to the games. Yep. And just to watch the females this morning with a 13 year old Brazilian girl absolutely outstanding and then we obviously have the park bowl where we've got sky brown competing for gb coming up on thursday that's going to be fantastic and then really the the usual track and field always outstanding i think you know the 100 meters is, is going to be fantastic you know um especially for the for the women's event you know they always always love watching heptathlon so yeah yep. still lo- lots to come lots of exciting things to happen and Really, really glued to the box. I need to get myself out there training myself rather than watching everybody else. Yeah, I think we can give ourselves two weeks slack with so much good action. And the fact we're here in Singapore, the timings could not be better. It's, mm. it's, it's sorted itself out perfectly for us. So awesome. Nick, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time, buddy. Nice one. Thank you. Cheers. And that, my friends, is Unlocking Athletic Potential. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and taking something away with you to help you perfect your craft.